1: Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast on a Tuesday. I'm James Erpine. It is great to be with you on Twitter at James Erpine at Locked On Bengals. Subscribe iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcasts. Joe Goodberry coming up in 30 seconds. I caught up with Alex Erickson and Clayton Fagellum. And the locker room earlier today, you'll hear those conversations on tomorrow's show. It's uh, it's fun. I'm excited. Thursday night football, Bengals Ravens. I'll be there, I'm covering the game. I will have a post game, um, and I'm doing this all year. I'm gonna do, we'll do the post game podcast, and, and that way, you have them for the ride to work. It'll be late. It'll be worth it. It'll be uh, right here at Locked On Bengals. Spread the news. Spread the good news that Locked On Bengals is the only daily Bengals podcast out there and uh, let everybody know about it. Any Bengals fan you know should know about Locked On Bengals so they can listen on a daily basis. Let's bring him in. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. It's our weekly film review. We will do this every single week during the regular season. Joe's with us now. Joe, has it been. I'm thinking about this. Has this. This is year number three that we've done the film reviews right this is year number three for the podcast we started uh, a couple weeks into the 2016 season i had you on for film reviews then right so this is year number three yeah i think that sounds about right so every year that they've been bad it was like the middle of 2016 well because i remember the denver game was the first game we did of 2016 where uh oh what's his name Who, who was their quarterback that year Man, I don't remember the 2016 Denver Smart. game. I remember uh, the 2015 Denver. No, game. no, no. no. Uh, Andy Dalton got outplayed by him down the stretch. They lost 30 to 16. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders had big plays. Uh, oh yeah,
2: yeah. He's yeah. on the
1: Vikings now. I'm going to look this up now. You look at this Vikings quarterbacks.
2: Oh, Trevor Simeon. Simeon, Trevor Simeon. Yeah, yeah with the
1: deep yeah. ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trevor yeah. Simeon.
2: Derron Smith was in coverage on a touchdown. I so, right over his fingertips.
1: So that was, that game, that post game, was the first Locked on Bengals podcast ever. So I think this is, it's year three of the podcast, but I think we started doing those in the first season.
2: That was like week four or five. It mm-hmm. was early in the year, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: it was like week four or five. Yep, absolutely. And, and I don't think you joined me right away. I think it was a week or two when I wised up and said, oh, I'm going to get Joe on. And uh, and yeah, now now it's year three. So it just means you're old and I'm getting wiser. Um, that's what that means (laughs) that's That's right Uh, a a lot to like a lot to I guess be semi-concerned about look I I, my biggest takeaways and i said it on Sunday night and yet on yesterday's podcast as well I was encouraged by everything because the Bengals responded Uh, they responded to Andy Dalton's interception Uh, they responded to being down 23 to 10 midway through the third quarter the defense responded to Honestly, getting beat up by a really, really good quarterback in the first half and held him to only seven points. I get one of them was a turnover, but that's something Terrell Austin's preached the, throughout camp, throughout this offseason. Marvin Lewis gets ripped for not being aggressive before halftime. They go down 10, and before the half they find a, a way to get a touchdown to John Ross. Like It seems like a lot of the concerns that we've had about this team, and I still have plenty of them, but they address some of those and, and as, for, as a whole – Week one was a success, not just because they won, but how they won. Am I crazy?
2: No, because the concerns were are all known concerns, right? The right side of the offensive line, a rookie at um, at center. Uh, how Dalton deals with that pressure, even though Dalton was very good. But you know, the the times he had issues was when he was pressured. Uh, on the defensive side, middle of the field in coverage, still right. Uh, The Bengals being exposed in their 4-3 defenses when when offenses want to spread out that unit and and control which unit is on the field by not letting Carl Lawson on the field without letting Dark West Denard get on the field. Um, These were known things, right? And they all were exposed. But these are known things for the last couple years. And we've said the Bengals can overcome if they do this. The Bengals can overcome if they do that. And they did, finally. And and, uh, I'll be honest, halfway through the third quarter, I'm thinking – they can't overcome it. Again, for the third year in a row now, they're not going to be able to overcome that offensive line. They're not going to be able to overcome the mistakes by their key players, their star players. Andy not with an interception on the second play. A.J. Green with a fumble on the second play of that drive early in the first quarter. Sean Williams getting kicked out right away in the first quarter. Um, these are three captains on the roster. Michael Johnson did nothing as another captain. He was a liability while he was out there. So um, You're watching it, and at that point I'm thinking, yep, they're, they're not going to be able to This is the same team. This is not going to be any different. And then whatever clicked, and that's what I'm watching the film to try and see what were the adjustments. But whatever clicked for them, you know, was it leaning on Mixon? Was it just, you know, believing they can still get into this? We have the talent. We can do it. We've got to settle down. Whatever it was, it clicked for them, and it worked, and they started putting their pass rushing D-line out there, and they started really uh, pressuring the quarterback even more, and it worked for them, and they needed to play Or I mean, I I don't know how you felt, but that last minute and a half, I'm like, Luck's going to go down the field. Yeah, that's what great quarterbacks
1: do. And Luck yesterday, to me, played like a great quarterback.
2: He played fantastic. He was the difference in the game. He's why the Colts were in the game. Look, we've talked about this before. The Colts roster is incomparable to the Bengals in terms of talent. Uh, And I think at times you could see that. And there were times where Luck just was untouchable. The Bengals were getting pressure. They were they were they were mixing things up, and it didn't matter because Luck would move in the pocket, slide in the pocket, keep his eyes up. He doesn't need to throw from a perfect platform or base. He can make that throw. Um, and he made some mistakes too, but it's his first game in what eighteen months. But he he was very very good and rare and on a lot of plays. And I thought they were going to go down and score. I had no faith after the two dropped interceptions and start that drive, Carlos Dunlap and Drake Kirkpatrick. I'm like, those are your two opportunities. That's it. You're not going to get those. You don't get that many chances in the NFL. You have to capitalize. And they did not And then Clayton Fedulam, the guy who replaces Sean Williams, who was kicked out, um, scoops up his his own forest fumble and takes it to the house. And it ended up being a a solid victory, large margin, you know, uh, 11 points there. Plus, You know, you felt really good about it at the end, even though there were some bumps along the way.
1: Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is with us. If you want to read his work and you don't have a subscription to The Athletic yet, you can go there, theathletic.com slash locked on Bengals for 40% off. Joe, what did you see from Luck specifically? Because my biggest takeaway, and I think a lot of fans going in were expecting him to be rusty. They were expecting the Bengals defensive line to get after him and hit him hard and get to him and keep getting to him and getting to him and pressuring him. And I thought so, too. I thought they were going to sack him three to four times, make life on him very uncomfortable, and he looked comfortable the whole day. How much of that was luck? How much of that was the Colts' offensive line? And how much was, the, was that the Bengals' defensive line and their lack of pressure?
2: I'll start with the defensive line. And I talked about this right before the game on Twitter. I said, if the Colts were smart, they'd go out there with two side ends, and the Bengals will counter with their 4-3 defense. And we know their 4-3 defense isn't their pass rushing unit. It's with Michael Johnson at, on the end. It's with Carlos Delnap on the end, Geno Atkins, and Andrew Billings. So that's really relying on Gino, who's going to be doubled, and Carlos Delnap is your guy that has to win. It's really not their best unit to rush the passer, and it's really not their best unit to cover either. So so Preston Brown's going to be out in coverage. Jordan Evans is going to be out in coverage, who didn't have a good game in coverage, um, instead of Darquez Dinard. So you're going to expose those guys to open plays over the middle while the unit up front isn't going to be able to get the pass rush and the Colts did that they they went out there in twelve personnel and they they spread the tight ends out they spread the bengals defensive defensive back out uh the back seven um and they made their front four that's not their pass rushing unit pass rush. It was a recipe for for allowing the Colts to dink and dunk down the field and Andrew luck. Uh, It looked like the Bengals wanted to play zone over the middle. Luck, normally an aggressive passer, was very, very patient, especially in his first game back. Uh, You you thought some timing would would be off. You thought he'd be a little rusty, maybe have some more errant throws. But, man, he was sharp, and his timing was on. He waited for plays to develop. He knew if the first read wasn't there, second read wasn't there, he could slide in the pocket, move up in the pocket, find that third guy. And the Colts ran a lot of pick plays and a lot of crossing stuff. A lot of stuff you saw from the Chargers back when Frank Reich was there. uh, That's what kills the Bengals. It was like the Jaguars running a similar offense last year, if you remember that. It really hurt the Bengals, and the Bengals got behind big time. Um, And the Colts were doing a lot of that. So it was a bad mix in the first half. And and the defensive line, once the Bengals started saying, okay, we're not going to worry about your personnel. We're going to get that nickel pass rushing unit out there. And they kind of had to because they're on pace for 80, I think, two plays on defense. The guys were starting to get gassed, and you could see they were like, okay, Carl Lawson, get out there. Um, you know, uh, uh, Jordan Willis, get out there. Replace Michael Johnson. And, and even Ryan Glasgow had a couple uh, nice plays, and he got in there for Atkins. But they they, they really started mixing their defensive line up and, and and getting fresher legs out there and getting after the quarterback. And they were winning. They were winning on their blocks, but luck was getting rid of it so quickly. Um it was really tough until that second half when they really were able to tee off. It, it's so important for the Bengals' offense to put pressure on the opposing offense. They need to come out and they need to score, and they need to score early so the opposing offense, the Colts, can't dictate the Bengals' defensive personnel. And because the offense couldn't get out to that lead, and it wasn't until they caught back up in the game and took that one-point lead that the Colts were really feeling the pressure and had to go out their three wide receivers and start throwing it, and that's when the Bengals could really tee off as a pass rushing unit.
1: Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is with us. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Joe, let's stick with the defense. And uh, I think Preston Brown had one of the plays of the day. Obviously, that interception, something that stands out. I think Jordan Evans had a, a big tackle. Nick Vigil was all over the field. Was. Um, but let's start with linebacker and then go to secondary. Um, and I'll just give you my thoughts and see what you think. As far as the secondary goes, I think overall they were pretty good. Obviously, Clayton Fagellum with the big play. Overall, though, I think Dre looked good. I think Darquez Denard looked good. I think William Jackson was fine. Like Overall, the corners were good, too. What did you see from them? What did you see from the linebackers? Uh, I, I guess start linebackers out. Uh, but overall, I think as a unit, they played pretty well.
2: Yeah, Preston Brown started that game with that interception. And uh, if you look at it, receiver comes in motion behind, I want to say, a tight end in the slot. They're running vertically with the with the tight end and the receiver is running basically an out route um, at about 10 to 15 yards, and Brown is the the play is meant to carry Brown a little bit deeper so that this uh, the guy running the out route is open in that void in the, in the in the zone defense. Bengals playing a lot of quarters defense, which means two safeties back, two then both boundary corners are playing uh, deeper zones also. So a lot of stuff underneath was wide open as we could tell. Um, and and on this play, Brown didn't carry that guy vertical he ended up dr- drifting and following the quarterback's eyes and getting right in front of that pass getting a hand on it making an interception it was a very very good play um now in coverage was another play where he got exposed by Naheem Hines who had him on it on a uh, want to say a Texas route or angle route out of the backfield and uh he got you know you can see in man coverage he's, that's not where he's going to win he's not that athletic type of guy uh but he was fine in the, in the run defense also he ended up injuring his ankle Uh, We got to see how bad that is. He was replaced by Hardy Nickerson Jr., which I thought was interesting, especially in their nickel package, where I thought, okay, they've had nickel packages in camp where it was Jordan Evans and Nick Vigil. You think that you would go out there with that? And they did not. And I thought at the very least, Vincent Ray should be the next guy up, right? Because he has been for so long. Uh, but it was Nickerson, and I thought Nickerson was okay. Uh, there was times he got exposed, but I think, you know, a guy who doesn't play that much, isn't overly athletic, you know, he's not that physical talent, uh, he was okay out there. And, I, next to Nick Vigil, who I thought had one of his best games as a pro, and he was all over the place, and he was very close to some game-changing plays, especially that one interception. The, the, you know, I wouldn't say he dropped it, but he couldn't haul it in. Uh, that really could have changed the game there in the third. Maybe it was fourth quarter by then. But then he comes back with a tackle for a loss, in the very next play really was um, crucial in, in really turning the tide and, and getting the, the, the Bengals back the ball and, and allowing them to score and take the lead. Um, Jordan Evans. He had a couple of run stops, but I, a couple of plays in coverage I wasn't happy with. He got moved a couple of times by Andrew Luck while he was in zone. He was in man coverage on that deep touchdown to Eric Ebron, which I think he thought Drake Kirkpatrick had that deep third, and Kirkpatrick, the, the play is me, meant to be cover three, so You know, sometimes it's just rock, paper, scissors, you know, and and the Colts picked paper and and the Bengals picked rock and, you know, you lose sometimes. But because the underneath routes are meant to pull Kirkpatrick down and towards the line of scrimmage and and draw his attention while Evans is carrying um, his, his tight end down the field in man coverage. You know, Kirkpatrick, you, you kind of got got a picker poison. Do you want to come down and, and get those guys that are underneath you or do you want to drift back, back into the deep zone and uh, defend that deeper pass? Of course, you want to stop the touchdown, but at the same time, you know those guys are drawing your attention. So it ended up just being a bust and, and really a, a, a bad luck play. So I wonder if Evans didn't stay with his guy or couldn't stay with his guy. And if he was in man expecting zone above him to the right, maybe he was trailing from the backside and, and, and trying to bracket Ebron without having Kirkpatrick there and ended up being Ebron wide open. So I wonder, you know, that's something you'd have to see how they grade it themselves in, in their own film room. Um, but overall the linebackers got picked apart in their zone defense. And this is something that's happened for a long time. The Bengals don't like to get beat deep Uh I can understand that. They're going to make you dink and dunk and bend-but-don't-break type defense. But at the same time, um, you would hope – you the pass rush gets there and gets there sooner and gets there faster. And if it wasn't Andrew Luck, I think this defensive game plan would work. It works against Joe Flacco. It's worked against Joe Flacco Flacco a lot, and they're going to play him this Thursday. And Flacco gets aggressive, and he gets antsy, and he'll try and force the ball into coverage, um, or the pass rush will get to him. And and he can't move in the pocket the way Luck does. So I understand the scheme and the idea. I just think it gets exploited a lot by different quarterbacks. Uh, um, Big Ben will do it too. Guys that can move a little bit and will hang on to the ball in the pocket Will exploit that type of defense. So they mixed it up a little bit, but overall, I think the defense was good enough to win, bad enough to lose, and, and mostly because it was just a bad matchup for them.
1: Up next, I'm going to ask Joe about the offense, Joe Mixon, how Bill Lazor did in his debut with his new playbook, and so much more. But first, a word from my bookie: where you bet just as important as how you bet. And I use my bookie. I'm telling you, they got the fastest payouts in the industry. It is easy. All you do is check out my bookie online and you pick a team. You win. They pay. It is it's legit. I mean, I love going there. It's real easy. Right now, the last I saw the Bengals were plus one, which means they were home dogs. So you might want to look at that. I'm just saying, I'm not telling you to, I'm not saying I am. I'm just saying you might want to consider that you go to my bookie right now with promo code locked on and they're going to match your first deposit dollar for dollar. All you got to do is go to M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E and use the promo code locked on. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and they're going to match your first deposit dollar for dollar. Nothing could be better. You play, you win, you get paid with my bookie. Again, promo code locked on.
0: Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: Joe, obviously the standout on Sunday was Joe Mixon. Uh, What I thought was interesting was the pro football focus grade of Mixon wasn't as high as I I potentially expected. When you went and I think it was in the 50s, when you went back and watched the film, did he look like a, a guy who, to me, was the best offensive weapon for the Bengals. That's what he was to me, 149 yards from scrimmage, a touchdown, five receptions. That is very encouraging to see, not only the line putting him in position to succeed, from my standpoint at least, I think it's encouraging. I think fans would be encouraged by it. And two, Bill Lazor putting Mixon in position to succeed. We didn't see it last year as much. Looked very much like he was going to do it, um, at least on Sunday, that, that that could be the case all season.
2: Yeah, I thought uh, the the first point is that they mixed it up a lot
1: with Joe Mixon.
2: It wasn't just, um, you know, trying to run power with him. It wasn't just trying to run, you know, zone and get him into space. The The screen passes and the passes in the flats were all different. He ran 24 pass routes and only stayed in the block one time, which he whiffed on it. So that was really the only negative, you know, I had for him. There was one run earlier in the game where I thought he could have cut it to the right and instead took it to the left, still got like four yards out of it. So, And one run and one pass, I think maybe they may have graded as dropped. I'm talking about pro football focus. So maybe that's why they graded him low. But for me, you're right. I think he was. Um, the reason why they got back in the game and why they ultimately won because – when the offensive line can't protect or the the receivers aren't getting open consistently or having turnovers AJ Green did fumble twice losing one um Ross wasn't a consistent target and uh Boyd while he had a nice play you know he isn't the the game changer stretch the field type of guy he's just a solid player they needed to lean on someone else and needed to be Mixon at the time. And he was on fire. He was hot. He was he was hitting the hole hard. He looked agile. He looked quick. Um, he didn't break too many tackles. When I watched it again, I thought he had some arm tackles he ran through. But really, as he broke into that second level, that guy usually brought him down. But he trucked that guy and got an extra yard out of it. So, you know, inserting your dominance. But at the same time, you would like him to break that tackle and, and take it to that next level. Uh, yeah, Mixon was... He, that that game right there is exactly what I think you and I saw in college and when they drafted him and why a reason why you can be excited for who he was on the field, uh, because he could change this offense. And he can be the guy that when a certain aspect of your offense is struggling, maybe the quarterback's struggling, maybe the receivers are struggling uh give it to Mixon, find a way to get to Mixon and find a way to use him and get him in space and and, and, and lean on him. And his energy was up the entire time. I think it was it, that part, That is the key part to keeping this this team in the game when they started being down by, you know, uh, two scores. Mixon w- played a big part and a big role in this game. I, I'm excited. I, I think, you know, just what we saw out of Laser mixing it up with him. I think, like, you know, I came away thinking maybe they will lean on him because I wasn't sure they would. You know, Giovanni Bernard is still a good player and a weapon and a a guy they they love. Uh, He ended up touching the ball twice. He had two plays that were called back on penalty, but still the snap percentage was heavily leaned towards Mixon. They recognized who the hot hand was and who their better player was, and I thought if they really lean on Mixon and use him like this all year, they're going to be in a much better situation. I think even last year's team, for um, so the flaws they had, if they were able to lean on Mixon and Mixon looked like this, trim, cut, and quick, uh, they probably won more than seven games. And, they, you know, they're fighting for a playoff spot. So I think just having him being that difference maker this year from the go, if it stays healthy, if everything stays according to way, way it went in week one, it's a much different offense.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. It transforms things. It, it makes things... Uh, It doesn't have to be Andy feeding A.J. Green if they get in trouble now. They have another guy, another bell cow, that could take on the the brunt of that. Let me ask you about some players in particular on the offense, and then we'll talk about the offensive line. How did A.J. Green – what did you see from him? Obviously, the the two fumbles stand out, but how did he perform on Sunday?
2: Green was who he is. You know, um, you can rely on him. You can get him the ball. He knows when – You've got package plays in there, and they got, they've got off coverage, and he can run a slant, or he can just take a hitch and get those easy targets. Um, the fumbling has been an issue lately. You look at his career numbers, he's right on par with Julio Jones and Antonio Brown. Um, so that's why I don't kill him too much. For a long, lanky guy the way he is, he tried turning the ball into his left arm. It went sideways and it got punched out instantly. You know, those things are going to happen. Those are those are bad luck plays early in a drive early in a game that got them down. And, you know, if without those plays, you'd feel much better about his game. He got deep the one time he got it. He got pass interfered with. um, And then he gets deep finally in the second half where they score a touchdown on same play they, they threw to Brandon LaFell. Uh, against the Titans last year, same exact play, except that was designed now for Green, which sounds excellent. Let's do all of that, right? Let's all those plays that were designed for LaFell last year. Let's do those with Green and let him take over more often. I thought Green was who he is and that's what they need.
1: What about John Ross?
2: It's funny because I want to go back and watch all of his routes because he was only targeted twice. The one was I don't maybe a choice route where he's running vertical Dalton threw it out of bounds. I don't mm-hmm. know if Dalton got what he wanted at all, and he just said, "I'll get rid of this when we're in field goal range. I'm not going to push it." It uh, looked like Ross wanted the the back shoulder throw, um, and that's one of those ones you see they throw to green a lot, where it's all right, if you're beating this guy early in the route, we're going to throw it deep. If you're not beating them, if it's off coverage, if they bail out, uh, look for the back shoulder throw. And it didn't look like Dalton liked either one or couldn't read. That's a trust thing with the receiver. You both got to see the same thing. You got to trust that the receiver knows, hey, I'm not beating him deep. So don't keep going downfield because every receiver thinks he's winning deep, right? So, you know, you got to really trust each other and have that repertoire. And Dalton just looked like he said, I- I'll get rid of it. But the fade pass. Um, you know remember in preseason they threw him those two fade balls and you saw a lot of people said oh why are you throwing those to Ross you can't throw those to Ross you watch him in Washington he scored on a fade all the time uh, I think it was against Cali at three of them and yes you throw those to him because he's a very good red zone weapon and you see there was the play before that it looked like Green dropped one in the end zone he had a guy flash in front of his eyes and if you've ever played catch or even played football anyone that flashed in front of your eyes it's very hard to catch it not making excuses for Green but I want to focus on what Ross did and it was It was a Texas route or a jerk route where he's gonna. He looks like he's 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 coming in on a slant and then he's gonna break it down the goal line, um, cut it back, and he was open on that. So I really liked that play and hope they come back to it and have two options, um, either Ross or or Green. And then they ended up coming back to Ross on that fade, which he just, you know, the guy with one hand at corner is out there and and he tries to uh, press. Press Ross with one hand, Ross just swats it away, and you don't even get a hand on him. Perfect throw by Andy Dalton, too, by the way, on that fade. Uh, so, Ross, I was fine with. I am hope they have more designs for him. I want to see the reverses and the yeah. runs and things like that to really mix it up. It looked like they used Boyd for those. Every time they brought Boyd in motion, I thought, do that with Ross, because I think he'll scare defenses more often.
1: All right, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it was a good way to get Ross involved, get him confident. He's got a touchdown yep. in his first NFL catch and now four days later, like, now is when you can use that deep route. Like, saving that for Baltimore is so much more important, and I want to ask you about Baltimore in just a second. But first, the offensive line. Um, I got a bunch of tweets about how bad the offensive line was. Overall, personally, Joe, and Joe Goodbear of The Athletic is with us, I thought it was a decent performance, a competent performance by the offensive line as a whole. Was Bobby Hart awful? Absolutely. I mean, he made Marcus Hunt look really good. But outside of Hart... I think I liked what I saw from Alex Redmond for the most part. Not that he was flawless. Billy Price was not flawless, but he was a rookie playing in his first game. I'll take it. Uh, Your thoughts initially, and then when you went back and watched the film about how the Bengals' offensive line performed on Sunday.
2: Initially, I felt it was a mixed bag. I always want to go back and watch the film, especially for offensive line, because you want to see that end zone angle to really appreciate the holes in the lanes, right? Um, And start from the left side to the right. I thought Cordy Glenn was – who they wanted at left tackle, right? You, you really didn't notice him. A couple of pressures by a, an athletic pass rusher over there. A couple of nice blocks on run plays. I'm, I'll take that every week from Cordy Glenn at le, on the left side. Clint Bowling is who he is. He was steady. He had a penalty. He had one bad uh, block that really stood out to me. But at the same time, he didn't make a big mistake that really killed any offensive plays. So I'm fine with Clint Bowling. Left side of the line, I'm perfectly fine with. It. Uh, Price, watch the first two snaps of the game. And I think that's the ups and downs of Billy Price in the first half of the game. Uh, the first snap, he, he, he's got a nose tackle in front of him with a power run right up the middle. He turns the guy out, walls him off, steals him off, and Mixon runs right up behind him and think for seven yards. Very nice block. Second play, he gets bull rushed right, in the, right into Dalton's lap. He gets tripped up as he does it, but that's what happens when you get bull rushed. And out length, you can't recover. We saw that happen with Russell Bodine a lot when shorter-armed guys uh, that are you know don't have that core strength. Now, I think Price does, but he's a rookie going against a veteran, right? So he's, he may lose on those plays a little bit. Those two plays right there, you're like, that's the high variance you're going to get with a, uh, a rookie center that's really only played one year at center at Ohio State. So... He had his ups and downs. There were some stretch runs that he couldn't get out in front of the nose tackle, and they got blown up. It looked like Bobby Hart's fault, but Bobby Hart shouldn't be in that position because Mixon should be able to run behind um, uh, uh, Price as the right guard is going to the second level to get the linebacker. Mixon should be running between Price and Hart following the right guard, and he couldn't. He's running into the back of, of Hart because Price is getting pushed back. That happened three times in the first half. I thought in the second half, I was perfectly fine with the way Billy Price played, and uh, if that's a sign of improvement, so if that's a sign of adjustment, whatever it is, I'll take that type of performance in the second half every week. I think they can win a lot of games with that, especially center, left guard, left tackle. I think you're fine at, if you can, if you play like that in the second half. Um, right guard Redmond, we talked. I think we talked about this uh, sometime in camp or preseason when we talked about like three phases of blocking, and it's like the first phase is that snap. And you're off the line, you're hitting that guy uh, in front of you. Redman's very good at that. He's very powerful. He gets off his – out of his stance. He's very quick out of his stance, and he, he exerts a lot of power in that first phase. The second phase is the hand battle, right? Whatever whatever moves they're going to give you, you're counter. You're trying to get your hands back inside and control the play. The third is recovery or getting the guy off, walling him off. If you're on the defensive side, it's disengaging and getting to the quarterback. And I think it was the, the second phase in pass pro where, where – Redmond was getting beat, and that's more agile pass rushers, guys with better hands, guys with better technique, were beating him, and he was recovering late in that third phase. And um, while it may have been pressure by, like, pro football focus, I think they said five pressures, I don't know if I count them as that. I could see an offensive uh, offensive line coach saying – Good battle, good way to recover, way to get him out of there. Now it flashes in front of Dalton, and I think that distracts him a lot and gets him to drop his eyes and get out of there. So I don't want that because I don't think it's a good mix for Dalton. But it, it does show the, the the kind of player he is that, you know, he's got that initial pop, he's still got some things to work on, and then he he recovered and he fights through plays. And that, I thought it was very similar in the run game also. Uh, where he had some positive plays, especially getting in space, pulling and on screens. I thought he was very good there. You could see he dropped some weight, got a little more athletic. Uh, but I think as a power runner, he, as he hit that initial initial push, got out, got that defensive alignment, uh, a, a yard or two down the field, he would lose and, and be over, over leveraged out length. Uh, and you could see he'd just be leaning a little bit too much. And, and he'd lose that while Mixon was still getting positive yardage. It wasn't as much as it could have been. And then we touched on Bobby Hart there, but, uh, he's easily the weak league on the offense. And, and you, you you start to wonder, Cedric boy he was inactive. Um, you wonder if anyone is pushing him on that roster at all, or is it Bobby Hart for the rest of the year? Because he was um, statistically horrible last year. And if that's what we're at, at right, gar- at right tackle, again, for the third year in a row, it's going to hurt this offense. And it's going to hurt them on a handful of plays every single game. Uh, and you got to wonder if they can overcome it. And they did yesterday, but, you go against the Ravens team or, or, you know, Steelers, TJ Wyatt, four sacks against the Browns, you don't feel very confident about that side.
1: Yeah, and that that's a good transition because I want to talk about Thursday night and the Baltimore Ravens come to town and it's the home opener. Terrell Suggs is much better than Marcus Hunt, and I don't have to say that. Listeners don't have to hear that. They know that just from first glance based on who each guy is. And Bobby Hart made Marcus Hunt look good. That's scary. The idea of Terrell Suggs going up against a guy like Bobby Hart who I think, according to Pro Football Focus at least, allowed five uh, quarterback pressures on Sunday and uh, obviously the two sacks from Margus Hunt. So, to me that's a big concern. What do you do with that, knowing that you're weak there and can you scheme around it without interrupting the offense against a defense like Baltimore?
2: You know, the the scheme part is going to be the challenge. Um, you look at running back first because, like I said, Mixon went out on 24 passes and only blocked one time, and his one block was a, was a miss late in the game. Um, and was, him, was getting him out there part of them not being so comfortable with him blocking, or was it also a combination of him being a really good receiving threat? And the way he was running is, is getting out there. They're do, mostly putting him on the edge, uh, flaring out into the flats. Now you can chip with that, too. And so uh, I think there was even on one play where where Hart gave up a sack. He kind of waved his hands at Mixon after, like, either you tripped him. I wanted to see it on the film when I review it. I haven't gotten that far yet on the, as I'm watching it. But um, you wonder, uh, why are they going to have Mixon chip a little bit more? Are they going to ask Gio Bernard to play a little bit more so he can help with that pass protection? Are you going to keep a tight end that chip a little bit more on that side? Or are you going to say we need somebody else or we've got to try somebody else, whether that's Cedric Abouai, whether that's Jake Fisher, who I still think is the best option at right tackle, even if, you know, he maybe isn't a natural right tackle or whatever the situation is going on there where he hasn't gotten the opportunities. Um, I, you know, I think it's going to be tough. I, I think running the ball helps. I think play action helps. And I think quick passing helps. Uh, there was a point in this game where the, I want to say Dalton was sacked. And then they came out and bowling had a false start. Um, yeah, Hart gave up a sack and, and there was another bad play, but they ended up punting. They come back on the next drive, and it's quick pass to to uh, Mixon when he when he lined up in the slot. It was a quick pass to AJ Green. It was a quick spot pass to Tyler Boyd. And what that was was get this defensive line to slow down and not tee off all the time. And it worked, and it allowed the Bengals to stay, and up scoring, and then it allowed them to regain control of the offense. So um, quick passing is important to do that, and it, it kills the morale of the defensive line and your pass rusher. So they have to be more efficient on their quick passing and, and run the ball, and that should help out Bobby Hart.
1: He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. The Bengals opened as one-point home dogs to the Baltimore Ravens uh, yesterday was the first line I saw Joe your thoughts on on that uh, the idea of that obviously they destroyed Buffalo the other day
2: they did and handle them easily but Buffalo is probably a bottom five team right I mean you look at the roster you look at Nathan Peterman starting what are they doing there right and um, it's not gonna be much better with Josh Allen but anyways uh, with the Ravens they have exploitable weaknesses still on the team um, and it's mostly on their offensive side of the ball and Even against the Bills, they had struggles running it. They had turnovers. Uh, Their new receiving core, while we're effective and they all chipped in and played, uh, there's still some issues there, too, with with familiarity with Joe Flacco. So they can be beaten. I think they'd steamrolled the Bills, as they should have, the way I felt the Bengals could have with the Colts coming in, right? And, um, you know... uh, Coming home and Thursday night games at home, you should like the home team on those, but the Ravens got to rest at halftime. Joe is out in the third quarter. They took their, their really star players out in the third quarter. Uh, they're going to be ready to go. They're going to have that rest where the Bengals were playing all 60 minutes and on defense, 82 snaps, right? So uh, I don't know if there's much of an advantage there for the Bengals to be at home. They're not going to be more rested than the Ravens are.
1: So you're going with the Ravens.
2: I don't know if I'm going with the Ravens. I don't know. It's early. I still want to go. Watch. I'm going to watch them against the Bills again. I watched the 30-minute the cut-ups that they have on, on NFL.com um, to give me an idea. But,
1: you know, you, you know what needs I to like happen. the
2: Bengals versus the Ravens almost all the time anyways.
1: You know what needs to happen. What's that? This needs to be the game where they unleash Ross. The Ravens are going to be worried about Mixon. Obviously, they know A.J. Green. It's just the next weapon, Ross or, or Eifert or one of those guys yeah. like th- that. It needs to be that kind of game um, because, yeah, I, I don't worry about the Ravens' offense. They're going to score twenty. Can you get more than twenty? That's the thing. That, I mean, right. honestly. Uh, it, so if right. John Ross has a buck fifty and two touchdowns because he has two sixty-yard reception touchdown receptions, that would that, be insane. I, I know. I'm, but I'm just saying. Like Deshaun Jackson had it, you know, the other day. <laughs> Tyreek Hill. I mean, that's so that that is the. That's the way you beat the Ravens, especially on Friday. How four about Tyreek Hill? Day.
2: Can we use some of that with Ross? Can we get some of that creativity? He's got. He's his
1: got history? the same get up and go. Yeah, yeah, he does. He might not be as physical. I don't know how you've watched Tyreek Hill more than I have. You created wide receivers, like yeah. That's the thing is Ross isn't as physical. Like Tyreek Hill's like a not Steve that Steve Smith. Correct. Like Tyreek Hill's you know got Steve that. Smith, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: he would take hits, he would run after the catch, he would. He, he caught a ball where he jumps over guys, right, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, whatever he is. He jumps over these guys, makes a catch, gets flipped onto his head, he missed a drive, but he comes right back in and they give him a little, uh, you know, a reverse and a, and a, a punt return. I mean, come on, can we get some, I'd love to see a kick return with John Ross also, even though they just extended Alex uh, Erickson's like saying this is our guy.
1: I don't know if I would, I don't know, I don't think he's a good returner.
2: He was fantastic in college because it's hard to catch those fast guys. I don't Punt returner, though, is a whole different thing. It's harder to judge. you got to be a little more confident. Did you watch the end of the um, Steelers-Browns game where Jabot Peppers was back for a punt? And he's in the clear, and he fair catches it, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, he
2: wasted 15 yards, and he looks up. You see him just grab his helmet and look into the sky like, what am I doing?
1: Yeah. No, I, it's a I,
2: whole different beast. I think punt returning has to be the same. In football, if they asked you to go punt return for me, I'd be like, "Nah, I don't even want it. this." Is the only play you get to play in the NFL, James? You got to go catch this punt. I'd be like, "Nah." How much am I right. making? Nothing. You get to go do it. Oh
1: well, no, hell no. NFL. I ain't doing it for nothing. I
2: don't well, do, do anything do for nothing. A thousand bucks. I mean, I don't, a thousand do don't bucks. It has to be like a million dollars for me to consider it.
1: No, I mean, I would do it for like you should. First off, no, you should have done it for the four hundred for the Spider Man system that we talked about last podcast. Because, but anyways. Uh, I yeah, bought it, James. I, I have we, Spider-Man. They,
2: it will be here tomorrow.
1: Yeah, exactly. You bought it. Right after we recorded that podcast, guess what happened? Boom. I got paid by The Athletic. I get the credit. I get the credit. <laughs> if you want to help fund Joe's um, Spider-Man console, you can. You know how? By subscribing to The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash locked on Bengals for 40% off. Joe, I appreciate the time. Uh, I've kept you longer than, than I planned to, which means you have to get back to like watching film and hopefully playing spider-man it's the best game i've played in a decade
2: yeah by the time people hear this i will be playing spider-man i'm gonna get all my writing done tonight which is monday night and then i'm playing spider-man till
1: thursday night yeah look at you well you'll be ahead of me i'm like 20 percent into the game you'll be ahead of me by thursday that's the plan let's do it that's joe goodberry of the athletic you could follow him on twitter at joe goodberry and a quick reminder the Athletic. It is the place to read Joe, Jay Morrison of, of The Athletic, uh, Mo Egger, all, all the different Bengals writers, all the different Bengals takes you'd want. You can get them at The Athletic. And uh, right now, instead of paying full price for something, get 40% off. Go to theathletic.com slash locked on Bengals and you can get 40% off. Again, theathletic.com slash locked on Bengals uh, to get 40% off. It's worth it, it's cheaper than coffee. Uh, then a daily coffee which i know probably most of our listeners are big fans of the the coffee mocha latte espresso or something like that i'm not a big coffee fan so i would have to like you use my i don't know what what money because I, I don't like smoke or anything i don't have any weird habits like that my my protein shake money would have to go towards the athletic subscription but it's way less expensive If it's 40% off and right now you can, it's not, it's like three bucks. All right. It's not a lot, but you get 40% off the athletic.com slash locked on bangles back at it tomorrow. A lot to get to tomorrow too, including um, we're going to have the guys on from locked on Ravens. You'll hear part of that conversation. I caught up with them yesterday. Also Alex Erickson. I talked to him today in the locker room. We'll save that for tomorrow. And Clayton Fagellum. Fagellum. I talked to him, too, so you'll hear that as well. We're loaded. But, uh, yeah, I caught up with Joe Goodberry. I know you guys enjoy our weekly film reviews, so I figured let's get that out there right now. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Subscribe, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app. Until then, I'm James Erpine. Thank you so much for listening to the Lockdown Bengals Podcast.
0: Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements?